What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What is up, guys? Hey, this is PC. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. I am super stoked today on the show. We have Jamie Mooring. She is a rock star educator at Puyallup High School out in Washington. Jamie, how you doing? I'm great, PC. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know we've been trying to make this happen here for a little while now, so I'm super stoked that it's worked out. And let's just dive right in. You're teaching in the middle of a pandemic, and you've been back in school for, I'm assuming, four, five, six weeks or so now. How's it going? What are the biggest challenges that you face so far? You know, uh, it's it's going okay. We've been back for four weeks, and Teaching-wise, you know, I, I teach English, and teaching-wise, I feel like I'm finding my groove in terms of uh, curriculum and how I'm going to instruct. Uh, I, about a week ago, I, I came up with the idea, like it finally popped in my head, I, put me hybrid, I can teach. Put me in the classroom, I can teach. Put me virtual, I can teach. Just tell me where I'm going to be, you know, that kind of back and forth pull of, of uh, unsurety has been hard. But I, I'm feeling like, oh, okay, I can do this job no matter where I'm at. Leadership has been a different story. Uh, my Renaissance Leadership Program is really strong. We do a lot of work starting from usually uh, the beginning of August. We come back in September. So the beginning of August, normally we are uh, meeting and you know decorating the school so that kids come back to a party. and we're choosing a theme for the year and all of that fun stuff. And we had one meeting uh, this time and we were all spread out in our cafeteria and because we couldn't sit by each other, but we did get permission to meet in person to just try to wrap our mind around what this year is going to look like. And we ended up with a chart that had two columns and on one side it had all the activities that we normally do from, you know, prep days that happen a week before school starts all the way through December. And the second column was blank because we have to had to now try to figure out, here's what we normally do. And we really can't do any of this anymore. So what are we going to do to replace it? And how are we going to connect with kids? We normally have these nine different fun activities that we're working on and none of it works. So this has been hard. And every time we made a plan, PC, I'm not kidding you. Every time we made a plan, it got blown up by some change or some scheduled change or a rule change. And so we, we kind of got really discouraged. And by, by the middle of August, we said, okay, we're just going to hold off. Once we're back rolling in school, we will hit this hard and sort out what this looks like. So, I mean, I know that leadership programs across the country are just getting hit like this over and over and over again. So that part of it's been challenging for sure. And so have you had any luck or any like cool ideas with, you know, let's focus in on your freshmen that have come and now they're at your high school and so they're brand new and don't know what to expect and how to get connected. But even a transfer student that came in as a, a sophomore, junior, senior, what have you done? What kind of ideas have you heard about to connect those kids to your campus? 
Okay, so we put together um, care packages that we're still working on because we only get to meet, you know, two hours a week at this point. Um, so we have a welcome sophomores package. We've got a you got this juniors package because we know that junior year is going to be the hardest. Um, and then we have, where's my seniors one? Oh, make it count seniors. We've got make it count seniors. And so for the sophomore and junior one, we're sending out water bottle stickers uh, to, to about their class year with the Viking on it. Um, we're sending out their class yell. Uh, the tradition at Puyallup is every grade level has their own yell that goes with their school year. This has happened for a hundred years. And so um, we're sending out their class yell. Uh, we're sending out a letter from their president for each class, just like you've got this, you're gonna be okay. So that's going out for the uh, sophomores and juniors. For seniors, we're going, of course, a little more in depth, trying to really start the rah-rah process for them. One of my concerns this summer was there was so much celebration for last year's seniors and, and the worry about what they were missing. And, you know, I mean, the country as a whole was just, so sad for last year's seniors. But the same thing is happening to the 2021 seniors. They've already missed their first football games. They aren't having the traditional homecoming. Like all of the things our seniors decorate jumpsuits to wear in the stands, those would have normally been worked on all summer long and would have been like showcased at the first football game. All of that is already lost. And so, um, we're just really trying to figure out how to celebrate them. Another thing that we're doing is uh, we've made, we're working on birthday cards. And I got this idea from, I think Melanie had this great idea of sending out a birthday postcard and she addresses them to every kid and they write them a note. Um, so I stole that idea from Melanie and we're, we designed birthday postcards, but this one was really cool. I reached out to our choir we have a state award-winning choir and they sang a zoom version of happy birthday and it's gorgeous and it says happy birthday from the vikings happy birthday to you and we put that in a qr code on the card so every kid when they get this card not only are they getting a birthday card but they're also going to be sung happy birthday by our award-winning choir it's just fantastic it just gives you chills the the version that they did so I don't know. We're, we're trying, we're trying. You just kind of take it as you go. You know, I think that's, that's all that you can do right now when you're talking about adversity and you know, that's such a huge part of life. And I think it's something that we try to teach our kids in, in the quote unquote normal times is how do you handle adversity? And now this year and at the end of last year, you know, these kiddos, they don't have a choice, right? Like they've, they've got to rock and roll with it. You've been doing Renaissance and leadership on your campus for a long, long time. Talk about how you got involved with that to begin with and then the impact that it has made on your campus. Uh, we, I got involved in 2010. <clears throat> I actually was on maternity leave. And so our Jostens rep, we have the most amazing Jostens rep. Rick Morton is just I, I call him the genie because whatever I need, he's like, poof, here you go. Um, he invited our principal to the national conference and they went, he went without me because I was on maternity leave. 
and came back and he was of course fired up and was like, you were doing this, you're coming next year, we, you have to see what this is. So the next year we went together and we sat in the uh, hotel dining area and we made a plan right then and there. We had just finished awards night and you know, awards night is just packed with incredible educators and their stories and what's happening in their school. And we, so we sat for a couple of hours and made this list of on hotel paper of what we wanted to do, our three-year plan and our five-year plan and our 10-year plan. And uh, we went back and we started with one project. And if I'm being honest, I can't even remember what that was. I think it was, um, you know, I took from somebody's course to hit staff hard the very first year. And so that they can buy into the idea of Renaissance as well. So we went after our faculty, I think that first year. Um, and we did one or two projects. And then the next year, we added a little bit more. And the problem was, I was this leadership class. And I was trying to incorporate these ideas of Renaissance. We were leadership. We did assemblies that celebrated athletes. We did dances that, you know, the leadership type kids came to. And um, we did spirit days. And that was kind of all we did because that's all we knew how to do. And so the challenge of incorporating these new Renaissance ideals into the things that we already did that was hard. We just, I, it was small projects. Like, yes, you're working on homecoming. And while you're working on homecoming, let's choose a heart of the team instead of acknowledging the captains. Let's choose a heart of the team instead. So it was little changes like that. And it was a good five years in before uh, the big ask for me was the homecoming dance. We used to decorate our gym, not our gym, our, our cafeteria from floor to ceiling, we would spend hundreds of hours making stuff out of butcher paper and paint to try to turn the, you know, dusty cafeteria into an under the sea extravaganza, right? And the big ask, I got it, I can't remember what year it was, but this was a big deal. I said to my seniors, what if we spent some money on a venue instead, like the if we moved homecoming off campus, because at this point, we knew things were working because we were becoming one of the largest homecomings in the state. We would have almost 2,000 kids at our homecoming dance. So we were getting to the point where we really had to move off campus anyways. But I had said, what if we move this off campus and we don't decorate? And it was like, <gasps> gasp, not decorate. And when I said, you know, we at this point, the kids were coming to the national uh, conference as well. And I'd said, all of those hundreds of hours that we put into making stuff out of paper, if we put that energy into connecting with kids that first month of school, because the first month was nothing but making paper to make homecoming. So if we put our energies into that instead of the decorations, couldn't we make a big change? And it took a little bit, but a little bit of discussion of like, but how, you know, how can we let this go? This is what we've always done. But that group of seniors agreed, like, this is the direction we're going. And that was the year that we stopped decorating the cafeteria. We took 
uh, the dance to a convention center and we used uh, our time to reach out to kids. And I think that, that was a huge transition. That was about five years in. So breaking was, those changes, that's a big deal to, it's, you know, involved, you know, yeah. And that is to the kids, the dance decorations to these kids are some of the most important things. Now we have, as we've gotten better at Renaissance, and it's kind of just become, we're not a leadership class that does Renaissance. We are a Renaissance class. We figured out how to still have these events, um, but we are Renaissance focused now. Um, culture and climate and uh, recognition, that's what we're about. And so, but I get it. The decorating is a big part of it. So we decorate the school for when kids come back. So they get some decoration and theme there. And we did end up decorating our cafeteria some each year to go with our homecoming theme so that during spirit week and lunchtime activities, it feels festive in there, but nothing like making it an entire under the sea pirate sunken ship extravaganza. Right, right. <laughs> now, one of the other cool traditions that you do that I look forward to every single year is the lip dub. And I can't even imagine the time and the planning and the coordination that goes into that. Talk a little bit about how does that even work and how do you put that thing together? Like they are so cool. They are cool. It is. So we took the lip dub and we used that to replace our back to school assembly because what we realized is the seniors aren't really sure how to be seniors yet at the, at the first day of school assembly. And the sophomores, you know, we're sophomore, junior, senior, the sophomores are just overwhelmed and confused. And in our gym, they sit way at the top. And for the last 17 years that I've worked there, the sound doesn't even work up there. So they can't even hear us. We, we point at them and say, sophomores, and they don't, they just know we're pointing at them. So then they scream, right? So we realized that that back to school assembly wasn't working and it didn't also jive with our idea of wanting to be inclusive. And so our lip dub is set up that we put a list on the board of every single club activity, even um, course that students are really involved in. Like we have a, we have a, a, a culinary class. We have an auto class. And so uh, our art program, you know, those are things that kids are involved in. And there may not be necessarily a club that goes with it, but there's passion there for kids. And so we list every single one of those. Um, and then we try to choose students who have personality to be our leads, but we put a check next to every club that the student is involved in. So. Uh, PC, if we were choosing you as our lead, we would have checked baseball and we would have checked music and we would have checked leadership, right? And the goal is that um, we don't want the groups to have a bunch of checks, right? So if we already have a soccer player who also plays basketball and football, then we can't have another football player in there, right? So um, we that's step one, choosing our leads to make a big cross section of the school and um, the next thing we do is leadership makes a sign for every one of those clubs and activities to hold. So the signs all look the same. 
they're all the same size. There's no yay, we're football and we win state championships and then and then we're DECA, you know, everything's the same. We tell groups that if they want to bring their trophies and their banners, welcome to. They put on their jerseys, you know, that part of it, that's on you. But we make sure that every group is represented with a sign. Uh, we have to, it, the organization of it is huge. Everybody has to be assigned a spot. Uh, we reach out to teachers specifically that we know will be fun, but maybe have to be invited. Like our chemistry teacher, he's never going to lead a lip dub, but he will do some sort of explosive experiment as the camera goes by every year. So uh, the lip dub is hard and choosing the music is important and but it's so fun and it you know you only get four seconds on camera but for some of those kids that's all they need and it's the really incredible thing is that in the years that we've done it you know i always give everybody a pep talk beforehand you know vikings have two fingers not one and so and then i remind them that when you go when we go by you you are on camera so if you do something naughty, you're on camera. We've never had a problem, sure. never, which is incredible. The high schoolers, it takes us an hour, <clears throat> takes us an hour, we run through it twice. The high schoolers are in the hallways with you know, minimal supervision. There's 2000 of them, there's 100 faculty out there and we've never had a problem. So that's pretty incredible. I love it. Those videos are, they like, they're so fun. And I can't even imagine, you know, it builds community on your campus, but it also builds community within your city as well, because, you know, those things have to go viral um, through Facebook yeah. and social yeah. media and stuff, you know? Yeah, it's really fun. One year we did our closing at the local, the local hospital. They have the children's therapy unit and we did our closing there and tried to bring some recognition to that, the cool stuff that's going on there too. So um, we've tried to figure out ways to connect more with the community, but you know, that was one of those things in the left-hand column on yep. our chart with yep. a blank on the right-hand column. And so we're gonna see if we can make yep. something like that work this year. Let's talk about other traditions um, that you guys have at PLF High School. What, what's some other cool things that you guys do there? Well, <clears throat> homecoming is huge, of course, and um, we have spent the last week in my class talking about what's homecoming going to look like. And again, the seniors are just so brokenhearted about it. Um, but we're trying some things. They're open-minded. And so one of the, one of a couple of ways that we're tackling homecoming this year is uh, we have decided to try to have a, a battle with uh, our local rival. So we live in the same town as our rival high school and uh, we're in the valley, they're on the hill. Um, and so I've been speaking with their leadership advisor and their administration, their, their principal is Jason Smith. He was Washington State Principal of the Year. He was a Jocelyn's Renaissance Educator of the Year. He's just phenomenal. And so we've been trying to work with them because what I realize is that normally in the school year with homecoming, we would have this great celebration at school and there'd be competitions between the classes and dress up days. And it's 
you can't really have competitions between the classes when you're not connected to the building yet. They're not connected to each other. And so uh, to kind of alleviate that, to, to remedy that, we have, we're trying to set up some competitions with this, with our rival high school. So um, we're talking about dress up days. We don't know if they will be competitions of hashtags, how many hashtags get put up, but uh, dress up days we're still gonna try to do. Um, we uh, have incorporated a business support challenge. And so this is just gonna be within our own school. We're gonna challenge our sophomores, juniors, and seniors to see if we can get them out in the community. Um, and so we're reaching out to local businesses in, a, in the Valley. And the idea is we wanna set up some sort of check-in, a QR code that if a, a Puyallup, you know, a Viking student, a Viking family shows up there, and is a patron at that business, they can check in and then the class that has the most check-ins wins. And that was really important to me because normally when we're having homecoming and we're having these events, these businesses, the local donut shop, the coffee shop, the, the deli, uh, they support us like wholeheartedly with free drinks and free tater tots. And so we're just trying to get a way to help support them. So. The business support, that's one thing that we're trying to do. We're talking about a trivia competition between schools, between us and our rival. Um, we are for royalty. This one's interesting. We're talking about doing teacher royalty because the kids don't know each other. And so last year we completely revamped royalty and we went with um, the Royal Court of Grit, the Royal Court of Spirit, the Royal Court of Kindness. Um, in order to honor kids for behaviors that we wanted to see and not for popularity. So we've already revamped royalty once. So we're thinking maybe teachers are royalty this year. And we come up with all new categories uh, for our teachers and they get to be our homecoming court this year. Uh, then the other thing that we're working on is a homecoming parade where not a traditional parade. We're talking about kids coming with their cars decorated uh, and we have played with the idea, this came from Rogers, this was not me, uh, our rival school, they came up with this brilliant idea of allowing kids to parade through our stadium so you can drive through one section of our stadium. And we are talking about allowing kids to decorate their cars. Uh, maybe teachers are in the stands cheering. Maybe our bands are up there, we don't know yet. Maybe mascots, and they will just get to parade through our stadium with their decorated cars in one end out the other big woohoo celebration, you know, our football announcer up there, just announcing kids as they drive by. I don't know, that's another thing that we're working on. And then the final thing, since we don't have a football game, uh, we're looking at a talent show. So can we do a virtual talent show where uh, kids can compete within our own school? Sure. So. We got a lot of things that we're trying. Uh, again, it's not going to be the same, right. but nothing's the same anymore. So Right, right. And, th and that's all that you can do. I, I love some of those ideas. Um, There's a buddy of mine in Oklahoma who they're talking about doing their floats like they normally do, but then putting them in their big parking lot at school. And so instead of the floats going down, then cars could drive past and look at oh. them that way. So maybe that's in something you could think about. They're also going to do a dance in their parking lot and they're going to divide their parking spots in half. 
to where there can be two kids in each parking spot and they're going to do the, I don't know what, you, what it's called, the silent headphone dance where you put the headphones on and you're the only one that can hear the music. And so nobody else, but you're just, jam, you know, dancing. That's amazing. And so, you know, all you, all you can do is try and put it out there and, right. you know, see, see what you can do and what you can come up with. So just some, you know, some different ideas there. I, I love that. Great. And I love your royalty. I remember we talked about that last year, how you guys were changing up homecoming a little bit to where it's not your traditional, you know, most of the time it's a popularity contest mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So I, I love what you did there. Talk about your leadership class and how do kids, like, do you handpick those kids? Do they have to apply to be in that class? Like, how does that work on your campus? So they have to apply. And um, we normally get around 75 applications and then I reach out to teachers. Is there anything I should be aware of? But for the most part, the application is just so that I can see that they're interested. This year, um, how it all whittled down, everybody's schedule was so up in the air that it kind of whittled itself. So I didn't even have to touch it. I wasn't about to tell kids you can't be in here when it may be the only touchstone that they have to the school. So I started with almost 50 kids. I normally have about 30. Uh, That's whittled down a little bit, but I mean, at this point with us trying all new things, all it's almost individual, right? Like here's, here's 25 postcards that you're going to put the label on. You can't work together. You can't work in an assembly line. So really it was just, I wanted to take everybody this year. So, but normally it's an application and then um, I would go through the application with um, admin, counselors, other faculty. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Let's go to your English classes now. And English can be a tricky subject, especially at the, at the high school level. Let's throw the standards that you have to address out the window. As an English teacher, what are your goals? What do you want a young man or a young woman to leave your classroom with at the end of the school year? Well, it's an interesting question for me because two of my classes, two of my English classes are AP. And so we're very driven by finding success on the, on the test in May and try to get you some college credit. But in terms of English, I think the most important skill that we're working on is just how to have civil discourse, how to disagree, how to, um, it's okay, you don't have to agree with the other side, but you do need to listen to why they feel that way and acknowledge their feelings. And so um, I think that that's that's one of the big things we work on all year. In a normal year, we're working on that. Um, And it's just, they they can read they can write but they can't have civil discourse and so we are continuing to work on that i see that as my role is i'm not trying to change anybody's mind but you do need to listen to both sides i love that i I think that's so powerful and that's something i preach with my son as well it doesn't matter to me which side of the fence you're on can you tell me why and then can right. we have a conversation, an educated conversation, and I can explain where I'm coming from, you explain where you're coming from, and then we don't have to hate each other, right? Right, you know? right. It's, it's the, the trickle-down effect is, is sure real when it comes to high school, and they're getting stuff from their, the adults in their life, 
and the news, the news, the, you know, Twitter and the, the stuff that's coming up on Twitter and social medias. And so it's, we're such a quick to anger culture. And so just trying to encourage them to listen. And I love to try to, I love messing with them, trying to trick them, you know, oh, yeah, you believe this one thing and then, you know, flip it on them. And in the classroom, it's so great because you watch them all go, huh, huh. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't get to see that part of it right now, but so important. But yeah, if you can, if you can just make them think. I would love, I want to hear your perspective on this. So many things have changed, and I realize this more and more now having a child in elementary school, from the way that they teach math to, you know, all the different things from when we were in school, right? And one of the things that's changed from an English reading perspective, they don't teach spelling words. Like when I was growing up, like every week we had a spelling test and like, you know, it was a big deal to get the hundred on the spelling test and Brooks doesn't have spelling tests at all. And really? I would just be interested to hear like, what, what are your thoughts on that as a high school teacher? I don't know if it's the same um, where you are and do you see that reflected in the quality of, you know, the papers that you receive, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I haven't seen that as much. I have, my son is 14 and my daughter is 11. And so when they went through the elementary process, they did have some spelling words, but nothing, I'm, nothing like you're talking about where the weekly, every Friday, we had a spelling test kind of thing. Uh, they, don't, they don't get that. I can see the transition. I really do. Um, in my AP class, everything is handwritten or it's supposed to be. And so actually I see it more there than I do in my right in my general English class because my general English class, we our district is blessed. We all have tablets, they all have computers they can work on. And as far as the teacher, I can get through their essays and their writing so much faster if it's typed. Yep. So <clears throat> so I am allowing them to type it, but in my AP class. They have to handwrite everything and you can really see, you can see that they really struggle with that. And they don't also know how to fix it, right? If they don't know how to spell a word, you keep, they'll cross it out and choose a different word. <laughs> and what, so the AP classes that have to handwrite everything, is that because that's how the AP test is? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. See, and that's crazy too. So I'll, when I'm usually in going again, normal times, I'm on the road three weeks out of every month. And then that week that I'm home, I do handwritten thank you notes to all the places that I've been. And by the time mm -hmm. I'm done, my hand is just dying. Right. Because you know, we don't write or I don't write anymore. Everything's Nobody writes anymore. Typing, right. You know, and it's just, yeah. you know, and it's, it just fascinates me because yeah, like, you know, Brooks has a laptop and his Chromebook and all this kind of stuff. And I know that spell check is on there. But at the same time, like when we're talking about homophones and we're talking about, you know, there's so many different mm -hmm. examples where it's not the end of the world, but at the same time, it's just something that I think is important. And so that fascinates yes. me from, I, I wanted to hear your perspective as an English teacher. Well, it plays into the ability to communicate effectively, right? But there is another side to this, which is interesting, uh, especially in elementary school when it comes to state testing, all the state testing was online, right? Kids didn't know how to type. And so the little elementary kids who were, you know, had an hour to type their responses, didn't know how to use the keyboard. And yep. so um, it was just a couple of years ago that our site coordinator for, the, for our state test 
we have this big meeting because the state was scrapping a bunch of results because it realized, oh, we're testing kids. And it's not that they don't know what, how to do, think and they maybe know how to write, but they don't know how to type. And yeah. so they couldn't take this test. I mean, it's, a, it's so interesting that things are changing more quickly than we can keep up with, that's for sure. And so what is Washington? Have they made a decision this year on, on standardized testing? I, you know, I don't know. They might have, but because I teach juniors, I'm not in the grade level that is affected. So, um, gotcha. and because I teach AP, most of my kids have passed the assessment and don't, I don't see many yeah. that need to take it. So I don't, it's, I don't let that filter into all the things that I'm thinking about. As if we need but something else, But I'm pretty else, sure right? there was a, there was a statement that was made. I just don't remember what it was. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it, I just don't see how they can, especially in a year like this mm -hmm. with everything so different and whether it's hybrid, whether it's virtual, and then you're going to hold teachers accountable. For, like that's just, I don't know. That's just crazy to me. You mentioned yeah. your two children and you have a beautiful family and you post some crazy cool pictures of trips to Hawaii and hiking in the mountains. <laughs> like I, I love, love, love seeing all the adventures that you guys go on talk about especially right now because teachers all over the world are struggling with taking their classes online and hybrid and that kind of stuff how do you maintain that work-life balance you know actually i think it's kind of ironic that i'm i'm definitely working harder this year but this year versus any other year when when uh, it's four o'clock. We're done at three, but for me, I've set it at four. When four o'clock comes, I close everything down. I close it down. I can't, I will never be caught up enough, right? And so um, I, there will always be something more to do. There are always emails to answer. And, you know, we saw this last spring. We were, teachers were so desperate to stay connected to our, you know, school babies that I was answering emails at midnight, at one in the morning. If, if I woke up and there was an email, I was answering at six in the morning because I was so worried about them, this, my students feeling a loss of connection with me. And I get that that's important, right? That connection is important. But I, I was working 18 hours a day. My, my family was saying, you know, close your computer, put your phone down. And it was just that I was, every assignment I felt like I needed real thoughtful comments on. And so I was working hours and hours and hours beyond my contracted time. And that is part of being a teacher. But this year, I just said, I'm not, I can't. I, I have to turn the job off at a specific time and just step away from it. So Friday at four, I close everything down. I don't check my email on Saturday. I will check it on Sunday and do a little bit of prep. But our district has gifted us with Mondays. Mondays are a planning day. And although it's not perfect, it has created a space where I can take a day off and start thinking about it a little bit on Sunday. And then Monday, I hit it hard with planning all day. I mean, I plan all day to try to get my week done. But in terms of caring for myself and making sure that my family, why well, my two kids are disconnected now too. And so um, I, I, this is the first year that I've actually set boundaries 
for myself. It's powerful. So, uh, and, mm-hmm. you, and you almost have to. Um, what do you do for fun? Like what, what fills your tank? What fills your heart? Um, well, normally I'm coaching right now. I'm coaching high school girls soccer. Uh, we won the state championship last year. No big deal. By the way. Um, and that is a, has been a big hole. Uh, you know, it's a huge time commitment, but, you know, coaching that sport that I love is, is so incredible. So I am missing that. I'm missing watching my own children play. Uh, both my kids play soccer. My husband and I played in college. And so that brings us both so much joy watching them do something and excel at something and think about it, the game in a new way for a sport that we love. Um, so with that gone, we spent a lot of time outside. I've been driving my husband crazy with home improvement projects. So, I mean, I think, I think I've replaced coaching and vacations with trips to Home Depot. <laughs> so I feel like I'm there every week and I'm happy to be there just wandering the aisles yep, looking you know, for new projects. Right. You never know what you'll find, right? Uh, right. My, my grass has never been greener, See, you know, exactly. <laughs> but um, this summer, you know, I've never enjoyed hiking ever. I, I think it's the at the, com- the competitor in me walking up a hill. I just like, it, it's a race. It's always a race. And so it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with the fact that hiking doesn't have to be a race and you can just walk slowly. And, uh, you know, I always internally set like, I'm going to make this, we're going to be under 30 minutes a mile here. Like that has to happen. But I've really taken on hiking. And the crazy part is that I live in the Pacific Northwest. Like it is incredible here. I have a volcano in my backyard. Yeah. And so I've lived here for 20 years and had never um, gone hiking up on Mount Rainier. And it's just always there like 20 years. And when it's blue skies and we call it the mountain is out when the mountain is out, everybody goes, oh, look, the mountain is out. 20 years I've been here and it still happens. And so uh, one of my highlights actually, as I was learning to love hiking this summer, is I made my husband wake up at uh, four in the morning and we drove two hours up to the park, Rainier National Park entrance. And we got up to the top of the, like the base where you start hiking from. And the view, this is called, it's called Sunrise. Because as the sun comes up, you have this huge volcano in front of you and it's all white capped because the snow doesn't melt all year round. And the whole mountain turns pink as the sun comes up and then the pink slowly fades. You know, it it was just fantastic. And so uh, that was really, really amazing. And I can't believe I hadn't been up there in 20 years of living here. So trying to take on hiking, you know, like you said, I love traveling and we haven't gotten to do much of that this year. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And those are some of the pictures that you posted here not too long ago. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is awesome. But when you come, if it's in the, if it's in the spring, we can go up there. Oh, fingers crossed. Gotta get up at four in the morning. Right. Hey, we'll do it. We'll do it. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Um, But no, it's, it's one of those things like it's you take things for granted, you know, especially when they're right there in your backyard. When you go to the Rocky Mountains, and I'm talking to kids there, you know, they just kind of take it for granted. And I get it because you you wake up and you see it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, what book are you reading right now, or what's the last book that you read? 
Um, I read it's so I read how to read nonfiction like a professor. <laughs> it's uh, by this author Foster, and he has a really great um, voice when it comes to trying to help kids understand how to read things through different eyes. And so uh, there's comedy in there and great examples. So I read that for teaching and I read the new Twilight book. Yeah. <laughs> and? I, I, my Twilight loving heart just, it was perfect. It was, you know, everything that everybody says it is. <laughs> I'm not good. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> So eventually, at some point, we're going to get back to, we hope, quote, unquote, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to be normal again, but back to a sense of normalcy. What do you see changing in the world of education as a result of everything that's gone on over the course of this pandemic? You know, <clears throat> one of the things that's been really hard is the, the, reliance on the brick and mortar buildings and in the last two weeks i've gotten word of two different students who made some really poor choices and i know i know in my heart that those kids likely wouldn't have made these choices had we been in building and it's just heartbreaking, you know? You know, one of them I worked with last year and he was a hard kid. I mean, his ACEs score, huge, right? And, but so smart. And you could see that he was hungry for an adult to be present. And last spring, I, I saw it happening last spring. He was in contact with me about once every two weeks as I was continuing to are you okay, man? Are you, do you have everything you need? And, um, you know, he ended up homeless by the end of last spring and then just made some really poor choices about a week and a half ago. So one of the things that I think has to come from this is not only the value of the school building, but the resources that we have. We, these kids need us and they need far more than we can provide in terms of resources. Um, and I think that society's starting to see that, right? It's not, you're just, we're not babysitters. We love being around your kids, but we're so much more than babysitters. And I just, I'm really hoping that over the course of the next couple of months, we can identify, connect with, reach out to those kids that we know are really struggling. But that's got to be one of the changes that comes is yeah. the resources and support our buildings get because that I don't know. It's just really hard. That part of it's really hard. And frustrating, you know, and, and I think one of the interesting things for me has been watching, you know, back in the day, the schools were the center of the community. And then right. as there's more and more things going on and technology and, a million things going on. We've kind of drifted away from that, but I think that this pandemic has really shifted that focus back to the schools because all of a sudden schools were responsible for, are we feeding kids? Are they getting technology? Do they have access to Wi-Fi? Like, you know, right. homeless, not homeless, like a million different things. And it's like, whoa, like 
all right, you know, let's, let's reconsider our values. And then it gets back to that core foundation of those relationships, right? Mm -hmm. um, for our kids and for the adults too. There's a lot of adults out there that are really struggling with the lack of, of social interaction. And so last question I wanna ask you, there's a lot of teachers, we talked about this earlier, out there that are really struggling right now and really questioning themselves and their career choice and, and those types of things. To those educators that are asking, why do I teach? Should I continue teaching? Do I need, is this my calling? What do you say to them to keep them going? Well, I mean, I've been one of them, right? I, the reality of the job right now is that at last spring, especially, and at the beginning of this year, we're doing all the hard stuff and getting none of the benefit of working with kids and seeing their progress and creating relationships. And so for a while, it was feeling a lot like the job was just a job. And that that's hard. <laughs> I, I mean, I went through it too a few weeks ago. I sat down with my husband and we were sitting on the front porch and I said, I don't know if I can do this. And then kind of miraculously, Jason Smith, you know, the principal educator of the year, so amazing, great friend of mine, called me 10 minutes later and was like, how are you doing? And I said, did my husband call you? <laughs> and he said, no, but I know that things are hard and I just need to reach out to you and make sure that you're okay. So the first thing that I would say is make sure you have community and maybe it's not your family, but you have to have a community that understands what the job looks like, what it feels like, what it used to feel like, what it's supposed to feel like. Um, I have Jason and then I have a group of teachers that we're on a text thread now that started last spring. I mean, we were friends in the building, but it wasn't, it wasn't like we were talking every day. And that group of women has become my cornerstone so that when I have a win and I can say, oh my gosh, I got into breakout rooms with no problem today. If I said that to my husband, he'd go, great job, babe, right? But when I say that to my group of teacher friends that I talk with every day on this text thread, they're throwing emojis out and they're celebrating and they're woohooing me because they know how hard this is. And when I have a day where nothing works and my tech shut down, they know that it's not just, oh, my, my program wouldn't open up. So I think having something like that, some group that is teachers that you can commiserate and celebrate with is so, so important. And then the other thing is the relationships are going to come. I'm seeing it happen already. And I am working harder for it, but simple things like I'm choosing three kids a day from two classes. So I'm doing six kids a day um, that I just send a message to just my own message through our messaging system. Just checking in. How you doing? Uh, I see that you're caught up on your work. That's great. Things are going well, question mark. Or if it's a kid who's falling behind, you know how you doing? I see that you're falling behind. And I am making connections. They're virtual, but kids are all about 
you know, typing out their feelings. They just spill it. And so what I'm learning, interestingly enough, is that I'm learning more about them as human beings than I ever would in the classroom right now, this early in. You know, you're always going to learn quickly about your talkers. But the quiet kid, well, I don't even know who the quiet kid is, right? I'm just reaching out because I'm reaching out. And so I am seeing those relationships come. It's just for me, because of my personality, the relationships have always been so easy. Day two of school, you're mine. I got you. We're connected. It's going to be a great year. I mean, we're four weeks in and I'm just starting to feel that connection. And I think that that's okay. So holding on to those glimmers of, oh, there's a connection there. Little things like that makes all the difference in the world. And, and again, that's what, you know, that's what we do. That's who we are. You figure it out as you go. Monitor and adjust, right? That's what they taught us in college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, well, Jamie, I can't thank you enough for your time and for everything that you do for the world of education. I think you know that I just think the absolute world of you. And I know that we were supposed to come out there last spring and COVID had different plans for that. But hopefully this stuff will you know, we can get back to some normalcy. We can get out there and, uh, you know, do some stuff out there at Puyallup High School here in the not too distant future. I hope so. Thanks for having me, PC. Yeah, you rock. Have a good one. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, if you do me a huge favor, if you would rate it, subscribe to it, and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well. Chase your dreams, kids. Mm-hmm.